Hello, I'm Gemma Frith and I'm joined again today by club commentator Mikey Burrows here on Wolves Radio. How are you doing, Mikey? Hello, Gemma. I am fine as ever. Thank you. We had another good result uh, for the first team and for the under-23s in the last couple of days. So uh, it's a good time to be around the football club. Absolutely. And also, we must mention, with the news that fans might be returning to stadiums as soon as May, this is a really, really good week (laughs) for sports news. It's a little bit of hope, isn't it? And and it's the hope that's important, I guess, in in situations like this. Like There will obviously be a long way to go uh, before anything can be finalised and decisions are made on exactly how many people could be in and how those tickets would be allocated. We know, Gem, that in the past the the club obviously have explored these kind of things because we were hopeful at the start of this season that we'd get fans back in. And then when the tiers kind of situation came in and we were hopeful that Wolverhampton would get into a tier that would allow some supporters to be in and then it didn't quite happen that way. So I I think you're a bit like me, aren't you? That it's like a, it's kind of fingers crossed. Yeah. But being Don't wary that things excited. have changed before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember like there was there was a period in December where we'd got into tier three, but London was still in tier two. And um, I remember thinking, this is it. We're going to be tier two in a couple of weeks. This is going to get better. We're going to have fans before Christmas. I remember looking ahead to the um, Wolves-Tottenham game that was on the 27th of December and being like, we could have fans. This is going to, we're going to have 2,000 fans. And then it's just got progressively worse <laughs> since then. And the restrictions have been piled on. So yeah, it's a glimmer of hope, but... Don't want to well, get you know, too excited. The only game that we've played, I think, is that Liverpool away game mm, where yes. they were able to have 2,000 fans in the cop. And it, it's such a strange experience. And it's a strange experience anyway, being at football matches. And you'll know this because I know that you get to sit in the posh seats behind the director's box <laughs> with probably the best view in the ground. And like, it, it's a completely different atmosphere. Even just having 2,000 fans... Mm in a big stadium because it's when the players came out to warm up there was like a cheer wow. and and like it's a thing that you take for granted at normal football yeah, times yeah. but it it, ha- it hadn't been there for so long and normally it's you know certain stadiums just get music I mean we play music really loud <laughs> just before kickoff we've still been doing the light show Jen yeah. As I'm sure you're very aware of trying to record Match Day Live Extra at the same yeah. time. <laughs> you know, we've we've effectively kept that same level of production of, of in terms of what the match day is like. So, yeah. you know, in a way that's good because the yeah. fans, when they come back, it's the it's same. Way and, to go. and hopefully fans watching at home can kind of see the fancy light show and, and get pumped up for the game. But when there's it's a weird thing. When there's no crowd in, it just feels louder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're still playing the music at the same level as if they're fighting over the noise of thousands of fans. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite a quite an intense experience. But yeah, it's it's exciting. I think if I sort of set my sights on the beginning of next season, having some fans in the stadium, that feels slightly more realistic. And then if it happens in May, even better. Well, you know that I, I've said it quite a few times that, um, you know, football without fans, and Nuno has said this, football without fans is not really football. Yeah. And you get a completely different sense of what a game is like when you've actually been there. I think it's really difficult when you're watching on TV to get a real sense of the ebb and flow Mm-hmm. of the game because you're so restricted to what the television directors mm. are deciding that you should see. Whereas 
Yeah, there were some games where in the stadium it really felt like a momentum was building towards something. I always talk about the Arsenal game last summer where, like, for the start of the second half, if Molyneux had been full, like, that game would have felt completely different. Yeah. Because the fans would have been, you know, sucking that ball towards the South Bank. Whereas, it obviously, when there's no one there, it, it feels really different. Mm. So, you know, fans are a massive, massive part of it. It will be slightly weird, I think, having fans back. <laughs> yes. But yeah. I, I can't wait for it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we we kind of know this, this roadmap now. Mm. We know it's not always gone to plan. But with everyone getting vaccinated, mm. uh, you know, hopefully, as you're right, next season... We could be back and back in a big way and that oh, would be incredible. That would be absolutely, absolutely amazing. Twenty one twenty two season is gonna be <laughs> the best yet. <laughs> I'm really excited. Okay, so let's start by taking a look at that one nil win against Leeds last Friday night. Um we had five shots on target in the first half alone. So we knew that goal was going to be coming at some point. And of course, it went down as an own goal, but it came off with such a powerful strike from Adama Traore. What did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was a really good game, Jim. I really did. Um, I thought, you know, both sides created lots of opportunities. Mm. I think Leeds' opportunities were more or less restricted to set pieces, which is probably something we'll come on to because, you know, Wolves haven't been great at defending set pieces this season. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, in general, I was really encouraged by a lot of the play that Wolves produced. They were dynamic. They were forthright. They were driving direct at the Leeds defence. Part of that's down to the way that Leeds play because mm-hmm. they commit so many players forwards that when Wolves do win it in midfield, Leeds defence can be a little bit exposed. And we saw that yeah. in the first half quite a few times. I think what generally happened in the second half, and this is a kind of a pattern of the way Wolves have been over the last couple of seasons. And again, why I'm quite excited, Jen, because I've been calling for Wolves to get back to the old Wolves for quite a while. And when Wolves go in front, they are a completely different team to play against. They are incredibly hard to play against. And for 14 games, they hadn't scored the first goal. And so it was always difficult, always chasing. Finally, they get in front. You're right by an own goal, but who cares? It went in the back of the net. (laughs) They're in front. And then they are, you know, such a classy team in the way they go about their business. And fans will always get nervous. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, don't know about you. I don't ever, I didn't ever really feel nervous in the stadium. Like Leeds yeah. were kind of having opportunities. Probably the Costa one at the end. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't nervous. I don't know about you. No, yeah. I felt that it was it was a really strong performance. It was really, really exciting, energetic game to watch. And even though it was nil-nil at half time, I knew we were going to have a goal coming in second half. And I was hoping that Leeds wouldn't. And I think we defended really well. I mean, of course, keeping a clean sheet, we've spoken about how important it is. We've only managed it a couple of times um, in the last few months. But it's a really positive sign of our defence improving. I love the idea as well that Pedro Neto's mom has been telling him to shoot <laughs> yes. more. It's really worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder whether she's been listening to Matchday Live Extra because it's been a bugbear <laughs> of Tomo's for a while that we don't shoot enough from outside the penalty area. But when we have players who are more than capable of pinging it into the top corner, as we've seen from João Martinho in the last couple of weeks, as we've seen from Ruben Neves throughout his career, and pe- that effort from Pedro Neto in the first half, just picking up on a loose ball, you know, we put pressure on, Leeds made a mistake, 
and Neto nearly catalyzed with a worldy of an effort that yeah. drew a, a really great save for Melier. So, and then you, as you mentioned, the Adama Traore goal. And we talked about a little bit about this last week in the, you know, the, going back to what I refer to as Wolves 1.0 with the inverted wingers. Mm -hmm. And Traore coming from the left onto his stronger foot and he pinged it. And it, it, it was an effort that deserved to go in on its own. Had yeah. it gone in on its own, you can probably tell from the way I commentated on it that I was ready to launch out of my seat. <laughs> it deserved that bit of luck. And he yeah. deserved that bit of luck. And it's a shame that it doesn't go down as a goal on his record. Because, yeah. you know, he's still not scored a Premier League goal since the back end of 2019. Mm -hmm. But it shows that he's becoming more of a threat. We know Neto is a threat. William Chose, I thought, looked really good as well and was getting involved in a lot of stuff. And, you know, his his opportunity will come. He didn't get too many clear-cut chances, but he just looked the package on against Leeds. And so, yeah, there were some real positives in there, real positives. Hard to pick them out of the match. I don't know about you. Yeah, that, that Adama Traore strike, it happened so quickly and the sound when it hit the post, it was it was ridiculous. And and you can see obviously the the Leeds keeper um, didn't have a chance to react to it at all. So even though it was you know technically off target because it hit the post, and he totally deserved it. And it was a an incredible strike. And it is a shame that it won't be going down as his. I mean, we did see a lot of a lot of really good performances, as we said, like Pedro Neto put in a fantastic form. I think Nelson Semedo as well in the first half had a couple of shots. He did he did he did brilliantly. And you know, a couple of people have actually said on Twitter that um they thought Fabio Silva did really well when he came on in the second half. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I I think he did well. I think he is improving game by game. And, you know, that's always been the plan. I think we've said before that he was never really expected to probably contribute as much as he's been required to this season because mm. of the injury to Raul. So he's a very young player, still learning his way in the game. I think it maybe helps having William Chose there because it means Fabio's role is a little bit different. He mm -hmm. can come on late in a game where Fabio has, where William, sorry, has has bullied the defence for 60, 70 minutes. <laughs> and then it's a different game for Fabio because he can come on, he can get around a bit, he can look to get in behind. Uh, you know, I think it's good for him to see how William Chose plays, the physicality that's required at this top level to mm -hmm. be involved in the game. So, you know, again, and it feels weird, and I said this at the end of our Match Day Live Extra coverage, Jen, that it feels weird kind of being just overly positive at the end of a game <laughs> because normally you kind of have things that you want to pick up on. And I'm sure the management and Nuno won't be as positive as we are <laughs> and they will have spotted things they want to work on, and for sure there are, but it's nice to come away from a game going, do you know what, we were good, we were attacking, we defended really well, we won the game, Good times. Yes, definitely. I think and I think you're right about Fabio Silva. Like for him now to have the the pressure off, you know, he can come on he can come on late in a game and eyes aren't all on him to perform for ninety minutes. And I think as you said before, like he was never meant to be that when we signed him in the summer. And so for him to be able to now relax a little bit, take a bit of a step back, I think we'll see a lot more from him and a better performance overall. So I'm excited to see more of Fabio Silva in the coming weeks. Another question we've had is looking at Max Kilman starting. A couple of people missing him and not seeing him in the starting eleven, and would like to see him playing more often. What do you think? I like Max. I, th I think Max has done really well. I think um, you know some of the best defensive performances this season. Max has been playing. He's at an interesting age now because 
he's 23, but he's not really 23 in footballing terms because he's not played a huge amount. He needs a little bit more experience in terms of um, you know minutes on the field and perform and appearances mm. and stuff. And and it, that's a, a, a bit like Fabio Silva, you know. That's a that's a key ingredient. I once did a thing, Jem, with uh, Chris Coleman. Uh, he came to do a. a kind of a dinner and a Q&A at Molyneux mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago yeah. where he said that um, when he first kind of broke through as a young player, he was told, like, you're not a proper pro until you've played 100 games. Mm-hmm. You know, once you've played 100 games, you've been in it. You've experienced pretty much everything football can throw at you. And then, you know, you can use that and, and move forwards. So, you know, like Fabio Silva, like Max Kilman like a few of the others, to be honest, because we do have a young group. Once they get to that 100-game mark, they'll be very different players Mm. and they'll be very advanced. Yeah, it will come with experience and it does really motivate the players to be sort of fighting for those starting 11 places. And I'm sure Max will be working really hard to give himself the best chance. So one other person obviously missing from the starting 11 and has been for quite a while is, of course, Raul Jimenez. How's he doing with training? Well, we know that he's uh, been trying to step up his work, really. He's been back Mm. in the gym for a little while. Um, He's been outside now. Uh, He's not training, I don't think, with the the full group just yet. And obviously, they will have to kind of ease him back into those elements. But it's a positive sign that he's doing more work. I don't know whether you spotted on social media, Gem, that he's actually got his own tech ball table delivered to his house <laughs> has he i haven't seen that yeah oh uh, i don't know whether uh, i don't know whether oh, everyone wow. will know what what tech ball is it's kind of like if you imagine a, a more curved table tennis table yeah and with like a solid net and it's kind of like for head tennis right yeah uh, or you know similar. you can keep ups whatever you're trying to do for it um and I think, he, yeah, I'm sure I saw on social wow. media he's had one of those, like a personalised one with RJ on it wow. as well, which looks pretty cool. Hopefully you've arranged <laughs> for me to have one delivered with MB on it yeah. for the end of the season. Uh, you know, <laughs> end of season uh, gift. Well, yeah, v- v- thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, so, you know, that's that's a good sign to me that, you know, yeah. he's kind of, he's eager and, and that'll be a real plus point. You know, mm. we've got a great medical staff, the doc, Matt Perry, and everybody involved, Ollie Leeper, their head physio. You know, they, they are real, real professionals in what they do, and they will not take any risks yeah. with Raul. But it's good to see that he's excited and that he's progressing. And as Nuno said the other week, you know, we, we don't know. It might be by the end of the season. We spoke earlier about the fact fans might be back for the final game. Oh, my goodness. Imagine if Raul <laughs> comes on. Even if it's like 8,000 or whatever inside Molyneux, <laughs> the place will erupt and that will be oh a real special goodness. moment. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed. Just something to get you even more excited <laughs> yeah. for the final game if it happens. That hadn't even crossed my mind as a possibility, of course. Can you imagine the scenes? Fans back and Raul back on the same day. Like, oh my goodness, that would be absolutely, absolutely incredible way It'd to be like the double season. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, looking ahead for the first team's games coming up, we've of course got Newcastle on Saturday. What are you expecting to come out of that match? Newcastle are in a difficult position, aren't they, at the moment? Uh, mm. They had a really big win away at Everton, and it looked like their troubles were over, and then it's not quite worked out that way. Um, it's always a tough place to go. Always a tough place to go, mm-hmm. especially for us because it's a long journey. It'll be an 8 p.m. kickoff, so I'm not going to be home until the early hours of Sunday morning. Oh but that's an aside, Jen. That's an aside. <laughs> um, 
I, I think, you know, in the situation Wolves are at the minute, they will go there full of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be a really good game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And actually, if we win at Newcastle, we will be level on points after the same number of games last season, which might come as a surprise to some people who I think have been bogged down with our, with our form over the sort of Christmas period and, and early of this year. But it really highlights how much we have to celebrate from um, our recent boost in form and, and how well we've done if you look at this season on the whole. Like this time last year, we were doing brilliantly and, and looking ahead to Europa League places. <laughs> Is that something we can do again this year? I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah. You know, I, the standard in the Premier League has is, is been really high as ever. But, you know, is there an outside chance we could be in a similar position as last year? I think there's always an outside chance, Gem. I cheekily <laughs> asked this question to our pundits on Matchday Live Extra <laughs> at the end of the Leeds game. And I think the consensus was that if we can finish top 10... That'll be, you know, eighth to tenth. That'll be mm. a, a really good season. We spoke last week about it's a transitional year, and yeah. I don't expect to see the best from this team for probably another year. So we're looking at next season, where this team really kind of comes to the fore. But they, they drew a lot of games last year, and obviously they were playing an awful lot of matches because of the Europa League. So yeah. it, it's a different element to it. But you're right. I think because they've lost more games this year than they have in previous years we kind of forget that they've also won more games yeah. than they have. And whilst they haven't been free scoring, we know that. If they can get a run together, you know, we know that this team was better than being 14th, 15th in the Premier League. Yeah, It's taken a couple of weeks, a couple of good results to get back to a, a, a kind of that medium level. Mm -hmm. Now that challenge is, can they push on even more? And if you look at the Premier League, it's so congested in that middle area. It really is, yeah. It's really tight at the moment. And a point I think we always forget, Jem, is that we we look at the table now at the end of February, there's still a long way to go. Because the season started late, it's mm -hmm. not how a normal table would look at the end of February. You know, we've still got, what, 13 matches? 13, yeah. Still left to go. play. That's a, that's a hell of a lot of football left to play. Hell of a lot of points left to play for. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Let's keep it something in the back of our minds, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves just yet. This weekend as well at Newcastle, it will also be Nuno's 102nd Premier League game in charge, which will surpass Mick McCarthy's record of 101 and make him the Wolves manager who has taken charge of the most games in the Premier League in our history, which is an amazing milestone for him as well. Reflecting over that period, Mikey, since promotion in 2018, there are so many achievements to celebrate, but what would be the biggest highlight under Nuno for you? Um, oh, that's a good question. The Manchester City games last season were incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, to beat the champions in home and away, uh, the away kind of felt more to me because it came off the back of a really tough Europa League trip to Besiktas. Mm -hmm. And, you know... The way they went about it and Adama Traore on the counter-attack, two late goals, was was just incredible. And obviously the turnaround at Molyneux and the atmosphere at Molyneux was sensational as well. Um, oh, like There's so many good opportunities and good matches. And even just like the way they recovered after the FA Cup semi-final in the first season under Nuno in the Premier League. And they went to Watford a month later. And you can imagine what that was like to have gone there and got revenge and won. And because at the same time, Jem, winning that game effectively meant Wolves were going to get seventh yes. and Watford couldn't. 
and so it, it was it was kind of redemption for a lot of those players who'd gone out there and kind of got that. So there have been some really good moments. I'd be interested if people have their own ones, by the mm, way. Yes. They should contact us. That would us. be great, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be brilliant, actually. If people can let us know what their highlights are of Nuno's 102 games in charge in the Premier League after this Saturday, then, yeah, let's, let's chat through some of those next week. That'd be brilliant. So next, I'm going to talk a little bit about Feed Our Pack. Now, people would have seen a little bit on social media that last Tuesday, we actually delivered our first lot of parcels. If you're not familiar with Feed Our Pack and you haven't come across it in the media so far, it's a fundraiser that's been started by Wolf Foundation that was kickstarted with a £250,000 grant from the Premier League and then matched with a personal donation from Nuno himself, also of £250,000, which is absolutely amazing. And um, mm. his generosity is just just incredible. Feed Our Pack is designed to help families in Wolverhampton who are really struggling as a result of the impact of COVID-19. It's really, it's affected everybody, but some more than most, and there are people that are struggling to put food on the table and Wolverhampton Wanderers want to be able to help in any way they can to support families in the area. And and so far, those boxes that were delivered on Tuesday, they've managed to provide 1,500 meals for families in Wolverhampton, wow. which is absolutely fantastic. And you might have seen on um, Match of the Day, actually, this weekend, there was a, a feature that went out filming Connor Cody packing up some boxes and some of the academy players helping out to get those deliveries done and the academy players by the way put themselves forward for that that was completely on a a voluntary basis so it was amazing to see and the next thing that we're going to be doing to raise some money for Feed Our Pack is selling virtual tickets for Wolves v Liverpool next month. Now, tickets are going to be £20, but that £20 will go entirely to Feed Our Pack and will provide 10 of those vital meals. So we're trying to sell as many as we possibly can. If anyone hasn't bought a ticket already or hasn't made a donation to Feed Our Pack but has been meaning to, that is the perfect way to get involved. Get yourself an e-ticket souvenir and also make a massive impact in the community. Wow, that's great. Uh, I mean, I'm fascinated by this, Jim, because obviously you've been much closer to it than I have. I've obviously only been able to see it from afar. Like, what's it like kind of seeing everybody getting involved in all of this? Oh, it's amazing. Like, it's it's a really... A really good initiative and everyone that's involved with it, the Wolves Foundation and, and the players and of course Nuno as well with his with his own personal donation, like everyone's so passionate about it. Everyone wants to be able to give back to the city and want to make everybody proud. I think that's what the um one of the guys in the Wolves Foundation said on the um match of the day feature. He said, like, we just want to make our, our city proud and, and give back in any way we can. Like, you know, we've been able to carry on and and go to football matches when other people can't we've been very privileged to be able to continue working we're in a privileged situation and so to be able to give back to people that aren't as fortunate at the moment is is really really important and it's amazing to see how well feed our pack is doing so quickly and if we can sell some more of these virtual tickets the impact will be absolutely incredible so i really encourage people to buy a ticket if they haven't already and um yeah let's let's get behind feed our pack I've always said that we are a community and we are a family. And, you know, we saw when coronavirus first hit that former players, current players came together to join with fans in donating money to try and help people in our area. And whilst we are a worldwide club these days and we have fans all around the world, it's important to remember those in our own city who mean so much to us and the club means so much to them and it you know when a family member's in trouble you help out mm-hmm. and so i think it's absolutely brilliant it's really amazing to see 
But yeah, that, that actually wraps up everything for today, Mikey. Thank you, as always, for joining me. If anyone has any questions that they would like answered next week, and of course, let's remember that if anyone wants to submit their highlights of Nuno in the Premier League over the past three seasons, then if they can get in touch on Twitter as well, that'd be brilliant. Reach out to us. I'm at Jem Frith and at Mikey Burrows. So yeah, let us know. See you again next week. See ya. Bye.